Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know what it is. It's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Chris Carlin. It's Chris Candy. Hit us up on the CC call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And we're reacting to the news, the report from The Athletic, according to Shams, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, they are at an impasse when it comes to how they're going to move forward. There's a June 29 deadline on Kyrie's $37 million player option. He's had conversations about his future with the Nets, and they've gone stagnant. And currently, both parties – it's hard to find a way that they're going to find a way to move forward. It's hard to say what direction this thing is going to go. And so, Carlin, my biggest thing now is because we do have this report that's floating out there, what are the potential teams that could be interested or should be interested in Kyrie Irving's services? Clearly, the Nets would like to keep him, but only under their terms. If Kyrie does decide that he's going to opt out and he's going to test the market, who are the teams that absolutely should be going after Kyrie? Because we've heard the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Knicks all be mentioned. Which one of those teams, or is there another team that you think should be interested in Kyrie's services? I'd say none, frankly, just because they can't trust him. But the truth is this. It has to be a team that's desperate. And to me, and you're going to hate me, to me the team that needs this is the Lakers. Like, you need something And if Kyrie decides to end up playing with LeBron again and LeBron's good with it, like this is the Lakers' chance, Chris. Like that's you have to look at that legitimately and say Kyrie, AD, LeBron healthy, like they have no choice but to try to go down that road if they could ever get the Nets to just take the contract of Russell Westbrook to go back. Like, otherwise, what what else is there for the Lakers to try to do to go and get someone? Do, does anybody really strike you as somebody that's going to fit them particularly well and somebody that's actually going to walk in the door and has played with LeBron before and understands what you need to do to try to win? Now, listen, he's not somebody that I frankly can trust, but I think the Lakers have to take that risk. Well, yeah, it feels like the Lakers have to do something, right? They've got LeBron James, and you don't know whether or not you're going to be able to have Anthony Davis available. You are adding another element to this powder cake that is L.A. in Kyrie Irving. But at this point, what chance do you have? If you're trying to take advantage of what LeBron is bringing to the table, you have to add a a significant piece. And Russell Westbrook has proven not to be the answer. So sign and trade does make a lot of sense, Carlin. But you're going to have to take back more salary. You're going to have to take back some other players from the Brooklyn Nets um, in order to match the salary. So who that is and what that ends up being, who knows. But, yeah, it just seems like there are there are a lot of hurdles in order to make that situation happen with Kyrie and the Los Angeles Lakers. The one thing that I would say as a Lakers fan that would give me a little bit of optimism about the situation is Kyrie Irving wouldn't be the best player on the team and he wouldn't be the alpha on the team. Both of those titles – 
belong to LeBron James. Let's take a listen to Bobby Marks, our ESPN NBA front office insider, on what he had to say about the Kyrie Irving rumors. You're not getting to the Lakers with cap space. You're not getting to the Clippers with cap space. That's the reality of it when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron and Paul George and Kawhi. There's no there's no clear path in New York, and, and Brooklyn is not going to do a deal for Russell Westbrook. I mean, come on. And I think for New York, I think, yeah, if we start seeing the Knicks in the next uh, you know week start moving $40 million in salary, do they think they can get Kyrie? I think <laughs> Brooklyn will probably start filing tampering charges here and <laughs> – you know, I think the only leverage that Kyrie Irving really has is him opting into his contract and saying, you know what, I'm going to play out the year at an expiring contract and we'll, we'll revisit these contract talks uh, next year or maybe there's an extension to be, to be had here. But I don't see any of the players here. I don't see Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, any of these players, James Harden, that have leverage because, as I said, this is not the offseason where there's, you know, all of a sudden $15, $16 million that have money to go out and spend on a player like mm-hmm. him. Kenny and Carlin Carlin on ESPN Radio, and big fella, that's the thing that I I come back to. It feels like the Brooklyn Nets are operating from a position of leverage with this whole situation. Even though Kyrie Irving is trying to dictate the terms of engagement with this and wanting all of his contract extension to be guaranteed, it doesn't feel like there are a lot of suitors out there that are going to be capable of being able to give him that, and it doesn't feel like there's a clear path to a team that can be a contender. If Kyrie wants to use leverage of uh, I'll opt in and play out this year and then walk away next year, great. That, that's awesome because that means two things. If I'm the Nets, it means Kyrie will actually understand, believe it or not, that he needs to show up to play next year to prove that he's worth that $250 million elsewhere or the max contract elsewhere wherever he could potentially get it and assign a trade or whatever because I'm going to get the best out of him and I'll be able to at least take a shot at it this year. But if that's your biggest threat, you have no leverage. Kyrie has zero leverage in all of this. And that you can't even create it here. And that's why at this point, if you're the Nets, you do have uh, – uh, you're, you're not at an impasse. I just say do whatever you want to do. Dude, do, do whatever you want to do because – this has been an abject nightmare for the Nets, and him coming back, you, while we can point to they don't really have any choices to do something else to have a chance, well, Kyrie has no choice either. If he's looking to play long-term and get another $250 million that he can bilk out of somebody, hey, it's going to be here because we're not taking Russell Westbrook for you. I mean, otherwise, how is it happening? Like, if I'm the Lakers, I'm doing everything I can to try to move heaven and earth to try to make it happen. I just don't think it will. 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. That's how you get on board on the CC call-in line, trying to figure out who has the most leverage in this situation with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets being at an impasse, who ends up winning the stalemate between the player and the team. And, Carlin, I'm right there with you. Everybody around the NBA has seen what Kyrie Irving has been all about the last couple of years, and the fact that you're talking about him only playing in 103 of a possible 226 games since he's been a Brooklyn Net, that is a problem, big fella, especially when you're talking about a player that makes $30-plus million a year. And on the year one of his new extension, if he's granted an extension, would be making $45 million a year. That's a lot of scratch for a guy that you don't know whether or not he's going to show up to work. 
And then the fact that this is potentially undermining Kevin Durant competing at a championship level after the team that Kevin Durant left just won a championship, that's got to be hard to swallow if you're Sean Marks, the GM for the Nets, and if you're the owner, Joe Psy. So this is a very interesting road that the Nets have gone down in terms of giving Kyrie Irving an ultimatum. But one thing to me is that's becoming increasingly clear. They don't do this with any degree of confidence unless Kevin Durant is on board with this strategy. No, absolutely not. Let me throw something at you, and I, I know how this is going to sound, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway. What team was close this year but was just simply not talented enough to get over the top? It was the Miami Heat. They have a Kyle Lowry problem. Yes. And they have a problem of just a lack of talent, even though they're at a point where they should be really good and they've got an outstanding culture. Is there any part of Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler that would actually believe or know enough to think, you know, if we went and got him, I bet we could make him figure it out. And you're, I could see you. You've got the <laughs> smile on your face. And I, I know what it sounds like, but I'm trying to find someplace else where you could actually mentally picture it if he was actually on the court. Like, if he was on the court, that changes the dynamic in the Eastern Conference. But that's a, that's a pretty damn big if. Yeah, that's a huge <laughs> if. I, I couldn't imagine that that would go well in that locker room and that that front office would be on board with making that kind of move. I, I mean, listen, I, you don't get through that season without Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving getting into a fight. Like, I, I just don't know that that would work out. That's fine. Do you win at some point, though? Well, he's got to be on the court. And that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't think that Pat Riley, Alonzo Morty, and Kyrie and, and Jimmy Butler are going to stand for that. Another one of those teams that was right there that just didn't have enough talent, the Dallas Mavericks. And we know that they're going to be aggressive, and they got a team, a player-friendly owner. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Jalen Brunson's an impending free agent. So there are a lot of other destinations that could potentially be out there for Kyrie Irving. But, Carlin, the biggest issue is I don't think any of those places – are going to guarantee him four or five years on a contract extension. It's no, just I don't think so either. Gonna, it's just not going to happen. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio were presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. We'll be taking your calls on the Kyrie Irving Brooklyn Nets saga. But coming up next, Washington Commanders owner Dan Snyder has again declined to testify before Congress in workplace culture investigation. How will that decision affect his standing with the team? We'll discuss. This is Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets aren't getting along ahead of the June 29 deadline for Kyrie Irving to accept or decline his player option. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Big fella, let's go out to the CC call-in line and bring on Levi in Indiana. He's got to take on where he thinks Kyrie Irving should go. Levi, you're on Candy and Carlin. What up? Hey, guys. How's it going? I like the show. Uh, I just want to say that I think there's a team out there who's looking to maybe free up some cap uh, to get a running mate with, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball. I think that, you know, if you paired a three-team trade with Charlotte and you sit uh, Gordon Hayes, you send $41 million expiring contract of Russell Westbrook to the Charlotte, and uh, the Nets send uh, Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. I think that's a good move. I think there's some other stuff that you would have to uh, include on that deal. But I just want to hear you guys' take on that and see what you guys thought. Yeah, if there's a a situation where there's a sign and trade and Kyrie's going to the Lakers, there'd have to be a third team involved because there's no way Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant can play on the same team again. That's just not going to happen. No, no, it can't. I mean, listen, I would be here to see the world burn as we exchange (laughs) this morning in text. I want to see it, but it'll never happen. Um, And Russ, listen, at this point, Russ is just a contract. Russ is a number. That's it. There's there's nothing more that he's actually going to offer a team in terms of their actual production or their their actually winning games. There's none of that for Russ. I, How it, bad was that deal, Carlin, for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to pick Russell Westbrook over DeMar DeRozan last offseason? This is how bad the deal was. I would still trust... Kyrie Irving to be my GM more than I would LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) Just off of that deal alone. Exactly. If you're making that deal alone and you can honestly look at that beforehand and say, you know what? Russ is our guy. I really have to question your leadership skills or at least your management skills. Yeah, that's a bad place to be in. But we want to see what Roy in San Antonio thinks about the Kyrie Irving situation. Roy, what up? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you again. Man, this is so sad. Kyrie don't deserve that. He can't play more than however many games you said. He's unreliable. 
really, Kyrie? You think you deserve that? No. Put him on for a year. If you don't get healthy, Kyrie, you don't just you don't get nothing. They should put a stipulation in whatever they try to give him. But I wouldn't want him on nobody's team because he reminds me of uh, Joe James Harden, a little boy pouting because he don't get his way. Man, we ain't got time for that. Get out of here. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this because you're about to defend James Harden. Yes, go do it. I want to hear this. I want to hear it. Kyrie has made James Harden the voice of reason. You know how hard that is? You know how hard that is? Yeah, at least James. impossible. Carlin, at least James Harden wanted to get to a championship contender. Like, he signed up to play with KD and Kyrie. Kyrie wasn't available because of the vaccine mandate, and KD was hurt. And James Harden looked around and said, I can't do this by myself. I'd rather go down the turnpike to the Philadelphia 76ers rather than stay here in Brooklyn. And that is an indictment on Kyrie Irving. It's also an indictment on Kevin Durant. James Harden, a guy that's chasing after a championship, a guy that once upon a time when he was down in Houston turned down a two-year extension for $103 million, Carlin. This is the guy that said, you know what? I feel better about my chances of competing for a chip with the Sixers and Doc Rivers as my coach than I do with KD and Kyrie. That's how bad it is. That's how toxic it is in the Brooklyn Nets locker room. And, and I don't know who's to blame more, Kyrie Irving for the guy that's unreliable and not accountable, or Kevin Durant for letting it happen. Think about just all the characters in this little play <laughs> that, it's, that it's, have it's, it's, been it's a part of it and all the guys that want to be alphas in it but truly aren't, and yet – we end up coming out of this with James Harden being the guy who knew exactly the right thing to do, and that was to get the hell out of there. <laughs> but that, that's where we're at, Carlin. Yeah. Is there any other way to read it? There isn't. No. There isn't. And that's, and that's the scary part about where Brooklyn is, and that's what makes it a tough decision for Sean Marks in terms of what to do with Kyrie Irving this offseason. I do agree with Christian Winfield, uh, New York Daily News Nets reporter, who said earlier, best-case scenario is to keep Kyrie Irving around but to have those stipulations that protect the contract, I just don't know that Kyrie is going to afford them that latitude. And if he doesn't, is Kyrie Irving truly willing to go out on the open market and go to another team? That's the part that we won't have an answer to, but I also think that's the part where the Brooklyn Nets are comfortable calling his bluff on. Well, the, the biggest issue for the Nets is that if he does decide to go and do that, that they don't have an easy answer because they don't have the cap room based on what they're paying Durant and Simmons and Joe Harris. They don't have it. So they don't really have many options, but the best option may be just addition by subtraction, Chris. It honestly might be. If you could ever find a way to get Ben Simmons' head somewhat right and figure out how to win with that group and hopefully Joe Harris regains you know, what he was prior to getting the contract and prior to the injury, then I, I guess you could try to go from there and figure it out. But I just, I personally don't see where anything is going to work out particularly well for the Nets, even though they have the leverage in the situation. Yeah, I don't think Kyrie Irving and KD end up winning a championship together with the Brooklyn Nets, but that's just me. Let's sneak another call in here, big fella. Let's go to Dre in Pittsburgh. Dre, you're on Kenny and Carlin. What up? What up, Candy man? I think Kyrie should go to Miami, bro. Like, I feel like Jimmy Butler, Spolstra, Pat Riley sit down and had that conversation with him where he's like, man, it's my best chance of winning. 
you send Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a couple of them guys over to New York, and I feel like it's an even swap. What you think? I, I, I actually like the deal. I like the deal. The only problem is I don't know that the personalities are going to mesh. Think about this. Pat Riley had an issue with LeBron James and LeBron James's team constantly being around the franchise and trying to manipulate the Heat organization. Pat Riley had an issue with that. And LeBron James is a top competitor. LeBron James is one of the hardest workers in the NBA. If he had an issue with LeBron James in terms of falling in line with the team agenda that he's setting, you don't think he would have an issue with Kyrie Irving? A lesser uh, player who comes with more baggage? I, I just don't see it, Carlin. There's, there's, listen, there's no way that he wouldn't have an issue. But I do think, from Riley's standpoint, you have to look at this and say, hmm, I'm not getting home here with Lowry. I'm not getting home here how we're presently constituted. Maybe they think they're getting Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. But if not, then I really truly have to look at this a little bit differently because, Chris, last time I checked, Donovan Mitchell's not exactly the world's greatest defender either. <laughs> but uh, that aside. But um, Donovan Mitchell doesn't come with the baggage. He's he a lesser, play- he's a he lesser player, but he doesn't come with the baggage. He doesn't know, come with the baggage. And I know he's going to be around. But speaking of baggage, Carlin, we got more drama with Congress in D.C. And, no, I'm not talking about the January 6th hearings. We'll tell you exactly what we're talking about. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Also streaming on E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on a CC call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And we've been reacting to the news between the Brooklyn Nets and the Kyrie Irving being at an impasse all show long. But we do have Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And for more on that, we bring on ESPN NHL analyst Kevin Weeks. And, Kevin, it's great to have you on the show. And got to get straight to it. We're, we're not used to seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning in this position throughout the last couple of Stanley Cup runs. But 
They found themselves in this position in two previous rounds of the postseason so far, falling behind 2-0 uh, against the Rangers most recently, and yet they were able to find a way to win game three and to crawl back out of that hole and win that series. What makes this potentially different for the Tampa Bay Lightning in terms of them being able to bounce back in this series? Well, first thing, they're probably playing against the best team that they've faced so far in the postseason in Colorado. Their ability to play in transition with speed, pace, dictate the game, their size, their skill, uh, they're, they're just a complete elite team. So they're the best team that Tampa's faced to date, no question about it. But as we were just talking about here off-air, uh, with John Buchegross and, and, and Barry Melrose and myself, you've got to be able to beat the champs, and champs don't go away easily. Plus, Tampa's been great at home. They're on home ice here at Amelie Arena down here in Florida. I, if there's any team, if there's any team that can do it, it's Tampa that could put up that could put up a good game against Colorado and, and kind of extend the series. It's Tampa. So this this series is far from over right now. All right, but when we get to this point, uh, Kevin, it's it's just you see the other night, and your eyes pop out of your head watching what happened. Is it just one of those games that? They just flush and put behind them because it just felt like they were shell-shocked. And when you get to this point, you do wonder how a team is going to respond to a night like that. Listen, it was a beatdown. There's no, there's no other way to say it. They got, they got jacked up in that game. Make no mistake about it. The Avalanche dominated that. Everybody in Tampa in their group that I've spoken to knows that. And by the way, everybody from Colorado's group that I spoke with knows that as well. The big thing now, though, is Tampa, no matter the scoreboard, they still only lost the game, right? That, that game only counts for once. You're down two. You're on home ice. This is where you want to be. When you're playing on home ice, your coach has the ability to, to get the matchups that they want because you have the last change. So look for John Cooper to be a little bit more creative behind Tampa's bench, trying to get some matchups that favor his group. I think, it, to me, it all comes down to the start and the will and the belief in the skill of the championship, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Listen, they're in pursuit of a three-peat right now. These guys aren't going to roll over and concede to the Avalanche. They're going to be pushing. I expect them to have a much better start to this game. And more importantly, I think they understand the significance of this game uh, in that this third game, if you're Tampa, is the biggest game of the series so far, and I'm expecting them to respond that way. You can watch Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight starting at 8 p.m. on ABC and ESPN+. Plus. Talking with ESPN NHL analyst Kevin Weeks on Kenny and Carlin and Weeksy, the whole postseason, the Avalanche have, are averaging 4.75 goals per game on pace to be the most by any team in a single postseason since the 94-95 Calgary Flames, who averaged five goals a game. How do the Lightning try to contain that kind of offensive attack from Colorado? Biggest thing for me is to start. Colorado was able to come out and get to the speed early, establish the speed, establish the pressure. I think now for Tampa, the biggest thing is start on time, That'll be the first thing. Stay out of the penalty box. No crazy penalties, no needless penalties, number two. And number three, get out of their defensive zone quicker. And and the best way to get out of the D zone is your goalie and defense have to be talking, on-ice communication, letting each other know what the reads are, how you want to break out of your zone, short passes, close support, exit your defensive zone as quickly as possible, and get the puck going the other way. So far for the first two games, Colorado's pinned them in. I'll use football terms. You either call it a blitz or a pass rush. Mm. And in football terms, that's exactly mm. what Colorado's been able to do with their forecheck, imposing their will and forcing Tampa into bad decisions that are really uncharacteristic for them. 
Kevin, has it strictly been about matchups in the way that they have shut down Kucherov and company, or what has it been that has been the biggest difference in just a quiet series so far for those guys? Tempo, tempo and speed, tempo and speed, tempo and speed. You always hear this in any sport, in every sport. Speed kills, especially when you use it the right way. So the speed of Tampa hasn't been there, like I mentioned, defensively, and then also getting out, exiting their D zones. They haven't had speed. And then transitioning offense, they haven't had the speed. Colorado's done a much better job of that. They've played at a breakneck pace. They literally look like fighter jets going up and down the runway uh, at any U.S. Air Force base, Matt. These guys are flying. So Tampa's going to have to do a better job of neutralizing that speed. And if they can elevate their game, which they can based on their group, that then to me will give this series the opportunity to be a lot more compelling. But as I mentioned before, and you know this from every sport, you just take it from the NBA Finals. Even when, even when the Warriors lost the game, they weren't down. They weren't out. There's no panic, right? And, and that's the same thing I believe here. This is a proud group that had the opportunity for a three-peat in Tampa. I'm expecting them to play their best game of the series. And guess what? If they don't, props to the Avalanche because they've been eating their food so far. But I'm expecting a much better game out of Tampa here in Game 3. Weeksy, we got a couple of players that are questionable for Game 3. Andre Barakovsky didn't travel with the team down to Tampa. He's right. dealing with a hand injury, I guess a puck to the hand. And then Braden Point is also expected to be a game-time decision. If those guys can't go, how does that impact what we're going to see on ice tonight? I think it's a bigger impact for, for Tampa in the event that Braden Point can't go. I believe he will. Uh, just because he is one of those players that has a change of pace He's got great acceleration. When you talk the currency of speed in this game, that to this point has been an advantage for the Avalanche. Braden Point's ability to skate and make plays at different tempo certainly helped Tampa. He's also been a great playoff performer so far in his career. On the other side of the fence for Colorado, Burakovsky was playing really well. He was more in a depth offensive role. The last couple games they promoted him. Coach Brednar put him up in the top six, in the top two lines, and he's been great. He rewarded them with the game-winning goal in game one. And then he had a great assist last game as well before leaving the game with injury. Here's the crazy thing, though. Here, let me throw a little curveball at you right now since it is baseball season. I can't believe that Colorado has been able to put up 11 goals in two games without Nazem Kadri. Kadri's been their best player in the regular season. He's been awesome for them. And I got to tell you, the fact that they were able to put up this many goals in Nazem Kadri's absence, he's getting closer. I saw him skating this morning. He's getting closer to a return, but that's uh, that's certainly a testament to Colorado's offensive depth for sure. ESPN NHL analyst Kevin Weeks joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. When I look at the way a game like tonight could go, Kevin, am I over? Am I placing entirely too much importance on Colorado if they actually come out and score one early, given how this series has gone? the mental impact that could have in a negative way against Tampa Bay? I think the mental impact should they get that first one benefits, benefits Colorado because they haven't won a cup before. I don't think it forces Tampa to panic, although I do believe that that first goal is also critical. Of course, uh, the great Patrick Wall used to say as well, Hall of Fame goalie, Patrick Wall said, listen, guys, go out and get me the first one. You get me the first one, I'll take care of the rest. And north of 60% of the time, the team that scores first ends up winning games. But, again, when you've got chance, you know, you can reference any sport. When champions, champions that have done it get behind, they don't panic. They do not panic. They stick with the game plan. They've got a lot of conviction in their group and their team. They have that belief. 
they're ready to go. They play their they play their game, and they you got to put them away. You got to slay them. You got to slay them in order to beat them. One isn't going to be enough, and everybody in Colorado Jetson knows that. Even if they do get that first one, which is important, they got to keep their foot on the gas pedal, man. Because we saw this in the previous previous two series that you just mentioned, and most recently in the Eastern Conference Final with the Rangers, they kind of had Tampa where they want them. They had them in the crosshairs, and they couldn't close it out. Tampa got off off the mat, and they were able to come all the way back and win those series. Weeksy, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Enjoy the game tonight, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me on, man. Keep up the great work. All right. I got to tell you, you know what? Got a feeling the avalanche tonight. There you go. Got a feeling like we need to hit. Is that one of the big fellas' plays tonight? You're going to have to wait and see. But you can watch Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight starting at 8 p.m. on ABC and ESPN+. That was the voice of ESPN NHL analyst Kevin Weeks that you just heard. Coming up next, Washington's commander-in-chief finds himself in hot water with Congress. And no, we're not talking about Joe Biden. We'll explain. You're listening to Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Big fella, John ja Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies are wasting no time getting spicy, getting feisty with the reigning defending world champion Golden State Warriors. And here's the thing. To the winner goes the spoils. And so we know that Draymond Green had some things to say. He's King Petty when it comes to settling scores and taking shots at players around the NBA or taking shots at the old media because he's the new media. But John ja Morant, one John ja Morant, superstar for the Memphis Grizzlies, had a couple of things to say, and one of them was which he tried to invite Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors to come down to Memphis 
to play on Christmas Day because, of course, those two teams are developing a fast rivalry and how spicy that series was in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. So your thoughts on the back and forth that we're seeing from Ja Morant and Draymond Green? Well, it's nothing surprising from Draymond. Draymond's, like, out there hunting for it. Like, honestly, you could – you can say anything and draw Draymond's ire at this point, right? I I look forward to it just from a strictly basketball standpoint. And you know me. I love the smoke. Let, let's get all the smoke out there. You know what? This feels a little weak sauce to me. It doesn't feel like it's got true grit behind it yet. Um, I can't wait to – it better be the Christmas Day matchup because I can't wait to see it just from – Morant against the Warriors again, and I want them to go at it some more. But Draymond, to me at this point, it, it, it almost doesn't matter. Like you, as long as you're standing in front of him or you actually tweet anything, you can get him to come back at you, even if you're not even poking at him directly. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm here for it. I think yeah. adding a little extra spice to this thing makes it all the better for the NBA. Go ahead and be Salt Bay with this thing. Just throw a little bit of extra spice onto it because we're talking about two teams that are going to be favored out of the Western Conference to get to the NBA Finals next season. But initially, this all started when a fan suggested that the Grizzlies and Warriors play. Then Morant initially said it should be in Memphis. <laughs> but Draymond Green clapped back and said, of course, the Warriors are the champions. We should be getting the host, young fella. So basically, this is coming from John Morant. I'm coming to you then. Tell him to book that. I'm on your block. That was Ja Morant. And I love Ja Morant because he's got the game to back up all of the big talk. And, Carlin, when it comes to must-see athletes, I think Ja Morant has got to be right up there right now. In the current landscape of sports, when Ja Morant is playing, you want to tune in. So if you're the NBA, why not have the reigning defending world champion Golden State Warriors going up against the team they knocked out in the postseason with Ja Morant? House Oversight Committee asking Dan Snyder – to reconsider not testifying at the hearings. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. And big fella, they're turning up, they're turning up the volume on the request for Dan Snyder to appear before Congress. This news leaked out this weekend, and this is from Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney, who sent a six-page letter to Dan Snyder's attorney saying Snyder could testify virtually at Wednesday's hearing like NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will do. Maloney gave Snyder a 9 a.m. deadline as of today to change his mind after what she termed were additional accommodations. A spokesperson for Snyder responded to the request Saturday saying his lawyers are preparing a response. Congress started investigating Snyder and Washington's workplace culture under him in October They're also investigating claims of sexual misconduct by Snyder, a charge levied by former employee Tiffany Johnston in a roundtable session before the committee. Now, we know that a lot of this stemmed from the investigation that happened over the the workplace conduct uh, of of not only Dan Snyder, but Washington football team's employees. Now they're the Washington Commanders and the NFL asking that the investigative team not issue a written report. And so Congress is now going through 
the different depositions and testimonies trying to get more information, and they want to hear from not only Commissioner Goodell, but the owner of the franchise where all of this took place. And big fella, I got to say this, I don't agree with Dan Snyder taking a backseat on this because he's the one that's responsible for setting the culture for his franchise, but I also understand him not wanting to testify before Congress because the last thing you want to do is to make a fool of yourself when you get on the stand and embarrass your organization. Well, legally, it's the right idea because he's only going to make it worse for himself if he actually speaks. Does anybody think that Dan Snyder's going to come off as somebody that is reputable and honorable and even likable if he goes and talks in front of Congress? There's no chance. Probably not. Probably not. There's no chance. This is, listen... Whether or not he actually, anything happens with Congress or whatever, like, at what point does the league just say enough? At what point does the league say enough? We have all just made the assumption that if they can prove that he's taking money away from other owners, that will be what it finally is. Never mind anything that would have ever happened before that have already should have forced him to sell the team. And by the way... Selling the team at this point is not exactly a punishment. He's going to get, what, $5.5 billion for the team? Is that oh, fair? He could, he could potentially get more than that, Carl. Yeah. We're talking about Jerry Richardson getting $2.2 billion when he was forced to sell the team to David Tepper a couple of years ago. And, so selling yeah. the team is not necessarily a punishment. No. Although it is taking away a huge asset just based on the growth of the NFL and the game of football as a whole. But I'll say this. I find it. He's got to go. I find it incredibly odd that the NFL would ask Beth Wilkerson and her investigative team to go through this extensive investigation and do all of this research and then to ask them not to issue a written report. Now, of course, Congress is going to ask for the written notes from Beth Wilkerson and her staff, and we'll see what that unearths. But to me, that, that just shows you the level that this harassment was able to rise to. And as the owner of the team, how could you not be culpable and responsible for that? There is nothing about that that surprises me that the league didn't want it in writing. Because they, if it's in writing, it gets out. It doesn't matter. If it's in writing, it will be in the media or somewhere in very short order. There's, there's no doubt about that. So I get why they didn't want that. And... Frankly, it just shows that they're not interested in transparency in any way as to what actually went down. That's it. And it is going to be, and granted, I am not defending anybody here, okay? But it is going to be tough to take when on one side you're going to have all this stuff that happens with Deshaun Watson and on another if nothing truly happens with uh Dan Snyder, and I could talk about what they've fined him already. I mean, that, none of that matters. I mean, yeah, he was, a ten million dollar fine means nothing to an owner. Nothing, and nothing. he, the, the idea that he was away from the team, we already saw that he wasn't away from the team. So uh, all of that is garbage. If you're going to treat the players one way, you need to treat the owners the same way. And for me, I, I just think Dan Snyder is bad for the league. And at some point, the NFL needs to acknowledge that, unless he just has. All the all the pictures and background that that none of us have on on other guys in the league. Well, Carlin, he's not only bad for the league; he's bad for his own franchise. Because remember, we're talking this about off the heels of the comments by Jack Del Rio that there are congressmen that were saying that they weren't going to be able to get public funding 
for the Washington Commanders' new stadium that they're trying to build in Virginia. So this is an ongoing story. We'll have it all covered right here.